0: Here on ESPN Alongside Hercules Gomez I'm Sebastian Salazar This is episode 331 Where we celebrate the first weekend Of the 2024 MLS regular season And the return of Hercules Gomez We missed you last week Brother, yes. are you okay? You recovered from the Sounders' loss this weekend. I know you're an LAFC guy now, but that must have stung.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. I can't. What are you wearing? I can't. Like, I feel like I need 3D glasses to look at you right now. <laughs> no,
0: it's your, it's your eyes. It's your eyes. It's definitely not the kit. This is a shout out to the Maryland Bobcats of Nisa. This is a couple years old, but I think it was their, uh, their third kit, nice. a little something. We'll be talking a lot of kits coming up here uh, on the show in the coming weeks, as it is kit release. Season. Coming up on this edition of Football Americas, however, Jeff Kasouf is going to join us in just a little bit. Of course, we got USA Mexico in the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, just about two hours away from kickoff out there on the West Coast. Huge weekend, Herc, for Americans abroad. We're going to talk about some big performances in Europe. We got Chicharito back on the field with Chivas uh, in Liga MX. And you had your reporter hat on last week, so we'll have your one on one with uh, Will Kuntz, now the GM with the uh, LA Galaxy. Uh, after moving over from LAFC. But let's start speaking of the LA Galaxy with their matchup against Inter Miami and Lionel Messi. Packed house uh, out there in Carson. David Beckham and his full circle moment. Herc was there, producer Beto was there, so was Sergio Busquets, and he pulls down the new DP, Joseph Paintsill here, obvious penalty, Herc.
1: Uh, right in front of Edward Norton, too. Uh, Paintsill goes down, Sergio Busquets, you gotta get booked there. He does not get booked, this is a clear booking, penalty right there. I'll tell you what, the Ghanaian winger looking very active in this game.
0: So eventually we do go to the spot. It's gonna be Ricky Pooch who steps up against Drake Callender, and can't beat him, Herc.
1: Yeah, that one's going to sting Ricky Pooch, because the last time I remember him taking a penalty kick, he missed as well. It was in Salt Lake. Misses that one. Big chance for the Galaxy. Massive
0: save for Drake Callender. Game stays scoreless. 29th minute. Pooch trying to redeem himself. Shot off the crossbar with a touch from Callender.
1: Ridiculous touch from Drake Callender. This is all Drake Callender. Ricky Pooch trying to catch him on his near post. Great strike. Even better save. Look at this right here. Fingertips
0: then off the crossbar. Mm. Galaxy knocking on the door and the woodwork, but unable to break through. Quiet first half for Messi. Almost, though, her taking advantage of a Galaxy mistake here. His shot deflected, but ultimately saved. Yeah, I think John
1: McCarthy just wants to make sure and he parries it wide. Maybe he could have caught it. You don't want to take any chances.
0: So scoreless at the half. We go into the second half. Messi starting to come to life on that left foot. Draws another save.
1: Yeah, we're we're being very generous with the messy highlights here. There was a, a bit of a total domination in the first half that we glanced over in it. Watch this. Check it out.
0: 65th minute Galaxy with a chance. Yamane off the post. Drake Calendar was very
1: good in the first half. Right here, leaned one way. Very fortunate off the post.
0: Felt like a Galaxy goal was coming. It would eventually fall in the 75th minute. Galaxy running on the break. Inter-Miami's defense nowhere to be found. Marky Delgado finds the rebound, feeds it across, Dejan Jovulic. How about that for an easy tap-in? Yeah, you thought Ricky Puchka could
1: have maybe sprayed it out wide, drew a defender off to shoot. The rebound is there, Marky Delgado very smartly, intelligently off to Jovulic. He was very quiet through the night, but as good goal scorers do, they find their goal doing what they all do, sniffing it out and it's an easy tap-in.
0: L.A. Galaxy with a deserved one-nothing lead at home. inter Miami would get a break here. 88th minute, some controversy. Delgado picking up a second yellow card for. I'm, you can't see me, but I'm putting it in air quotes. This tackle on Sergio Busquets. Sir. Yeah,
1: Mark Delgado cannot believe it. Second yellow card. Craig Banny, Larry, he lets you know what he's. Yeah, yeah. B.S. He says, look at this. Never touches. Sergio Busquets, who goes down. Marky Delgado sees a second in yellow, red. And then, shortly after,
0: look at this. Inter-Miami, still hunting. Jordi Alba, the Lionel Messi didn't miss by much, Herc.
1: Yeah, once uh, they went down, a man the galaxy you just knew was bound to happen. They're absorbing a lot of pressure. Messi's coming to life. And Inter-Miami's getting closer.
0: Messi and Alba didn't work the... That time in the 89th minute, but three minutes later, it does. How about this for a equalizer?
1: I mean, how many times have you seen that play from Jordi, uh, Jordi Alba, excuse me, and Lionel Messi? It, it's they have it drawn into their own memories. They've done it millions of times. I feel like the last time we saw this was in Dallas League's Cup. They do it again. Messi right here with the outside of the left foot. Very good finish. But if you're the Galaxy, right there, you have 10 men against 11. Just clear the ball. There's no reason to try to play out the back like that.
0: Game finishes 1-1 there. Replacement refs and all. Herc, many out there, including our producer Beto, are saying this was Inter-Miami's worst performance of the Lionel Messi era. Do you agree?
1: That's a good shout. I'm trying to think because, listen... Uh, The Leo Messi era doesn't just mean when Messi plays, but I can't even think of a game where they Mm. played without Messi, where they played this bad. And you know what the worst part about it was? It was sad. It was like watching your heroes get old in front of you, like before your very eyes. Luis Suarez couldn't move. Jordi Alba was, was a cone at times. Messi was nowhere to be involved, even though he tried. The Sergio Busquets, like it's been a while since I've seen Sergio Busquets be one-way traffic like that. This was something else for Tata Martino's team. It was one of the worst performances I have seen of Messi and his team in any jersey. Forget Inter-Miami, any jersey, and we've seen some performances where Barcelona has come out of the losing end by six, seven goals to a Bayern Munich. This is one of those moments where if the game at halftime is four, zero galaxy you don't think Mm. twice about it it was that bad and i repeat it's the fact that you have this collection of superstars who look not just human but brittle and right Mm. before your eyes
0: yeah i kept thinking the thing that was going to let this team down Herc, was going to be its defense but even with messi alba busquets and now luis suarez up there They're just not that dangerous. I mean, in the first half, to your point, the L.A. Galaxy totally played them off the pitch. Inter-Miami had 60% possession in the first half, and for all that, they had one shot on goal, and it was that deflected shot that Messi had that was lucky that it even happened. It came off a, a kind of total blooper mistake at the back for the L.A. Galaxy. I don't know how, Herc, with this type of attacking talent, you can be so toothless Uh, as Inter-Miami was last night. It was their worst performance of the the messy era. I think it was also his worst performance. He was frustrated. You could see him yelling at his teammates, yelling at the Galaxy guys, yelling at the replacement refs, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. And I got to think some of that is fatigue. You know, it's it's a cross-country flight, two games in four days. It's the worldwide travel that we've seen throughout the preseason. It's starting to wear on these guys. The question, though, is, Herc, is, is everybody else or anybody else in this league good enough to take advantage? Because Inter-Miami, with Lionel Messi playing for 90 minutes, they're worth at least a goal, if not two. And RSL couldn't take advantage of the many opportunities they had. And the LA Galaxy, here, man, as well as they played, and I think you know we'll get to them in just a minute, there's a lot of reasons for optimism if you're a Galaxy fan. They couldn't take advantage of the opportunities they had. Is the rest of MLS good enough to push this Inter-Miami? Because this Inter-Miami is not perfect. But they're, they're escaping so far through two games.
1: Yeah, it smells very much like last season. Um, think about it. How many games do they have where they should have gotten three, four goals against them until something happens, a moment of brilliance? And by my calculations, that's like the fifth time Messi saved him over the 80th minute where he comes to the rescue, whether it's a game winner or it's a game-tying goal or he does something mm. to give his team points. That's going to run out like it did last season. Listen, Cruz Azul. Thoroughly played, uh, you know, outplayed last year in League's Cup. We can go to the Open Cup game versus Cincinnati. We can go to long stretches of the game versus Nashville. We can go to long stretches of the game versus LAFC here in Los Angeles last year when Inter-Miami should have been down 4-0, mm-hmm. where Denny Buwanga had probably 3 or 4 himself. Teams are leaving Inter-Miami and the best player of all time, Messi, on the hook. And if you leave a team like that with so much individual talent – on the hook, still breathing. They're gonna make you pay, and that happened to the Galaxy. Now, how it happened to the Galaxy, we'll get into in a second, but the second half performance shouldn't be why the Galaxy lost this. It's their first half performance, their inability to put them away.
0: Uh, have we seen the blueprint now? I mean, if we saw RSL, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I know it's, it's two different games, right? It's RSL going away, so they're gonna have a different approach on the road than maybe they would at home. Uh, and it's L.A. Galaxy at home, so they're going to probably have a more aggressive approach at home than they would on the road. But we've seen the two different approaches you can take to Inter-Miami. The one against that RSL used I don't think worked quite as well as what the L.A. Galaxy were able to do, especially in that first half, Her They made Inter-Miami and some of these great players, especially Busquets, look almost pedestrian under that pressure. I, I mean,
1: I think you see where the glare and weaknesses are or, or what— What hurts Inter-Miami the most, Mm. and it's if you're dynamic, if you're fast, if you're physical, because some of their players, and I repeat, 11 versus 11, I don't care who you think you have on your team, regardless if it's the best player to (laughs) ever play the game. If you have a weak link or multiple weak links, especially physically, they're going to hurt you, and that was the case. Joseph Paintsdale, excuse me, had a field day in the first half. I think Diego Fagundes cutting in and allowing you know some of that play to come in centrally to rookie push uh, was very good in that first half. Uh, Jovetic was quiet, but. They had chances. So, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of of what the Galaxy or teams have not done in the past, I think the blueprint is there. You let Inter Miami have the ball. You let them, you got to rope-a-dope them, have Mm -hmm. them come to you so that space is there for you to exploit after, and you can counter them at will. It's it's that easy against Inter. Now, you've got to take advantage of it because if not, Messi's going to do what Messi continues Mm -hmm. to do in this league and will continue to do if you give him space.
0: Uh, Herc, since you mentioned Luis Suarez, let's go there next. That's now two games in MLS without a goal. And he's looking, you know, every single one of those 37 years. I think that's safe to say as we take a look at the uh, Luis Suarez heat map here. How long do you think Inter-Miami can rely on this guy based on what we've seen so far?
1: It doesn't look too different than what we saw with Joseph Martinez last year, if I'm being honest. And, And given Luis Suarez's track record, uh, I'm willing to give him some time. Now, Now, a, a good mm. buddy on social, you know, the tactical manager, Felipe Silva, he actually put up uh, Suarez's stats in Brazil. The first 15 matches, four goals, four assists. The next 18, 13 goals, seven assists. So what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to have faith in the man. He's a goal scorer. Let him score some goals. Mm. He's going to start feeling it, and it'll start happening. You've made an investment here. And, and, and not just on Leo, uh, sorry on Luis Suarez, but Leo Messi, and that means keeping Messi happy, and Messi and friends is part of that equation. Sata Martino's not going to rock the boat. He's Mm. not going to start moving Luis Suarez around. He's not going to start moving Sergio Busquets. He's going to look for solutions to patch the team up and hopefully get these guys going. Because I think it's safe to say we all agree if this team can get going with the amount of individual talent they have and collectively how they know how to play together, they could be a very, very scary team. Mm. But as I see it right now, unless this team drastically changes in the transfer market come summertime, it's not going to be an easy road for Messi.
0: Uh, So you mentioned something earlier that that piqued my interest when you talked about watching your heroes age, right? Yeah. Um, As we're watching Luis Suarez, for those that didn't watch this game, there's kind of two ways that players, I think, can age. You can see a guy and you can say, all right, he doesn't have what he used to have, but he's still useful, right? He can still do a job on a day. He may not be what he was five, ten years ago. And then there's the other evaluation, which is this guy has hit the wall. Between those two, Herc, I know it's only two games, but this, to me, looks more like a guy who has hit the wall. Like, physically, he just doesn't look right. And, and beyond not being able to move and kind of get to the spots, uh, especially in this game, his touch was off. Like, even what I would assume is kind of basic hold-up play for a forward, he was struggling to do. And I know Messi's his boy, but Messi wants to win as well. Um, I don't know what the other options are. you got Campana on the roster you know he's a little bit more mobile, but he certainly doesn't have Luis Suarez finishing. I don't know if you saw the news. I don't know if you saw the news the other day. Gunnar Agüero medically cleared. Wait, I mean, wait a second. You, 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 mean, you want to
1: go from one messian friend to another as a solution? I mean, if
0: he's got a better knee than Luis Suarez, yes. I don't. Even,
1: I, I don't even know if it's the knee. I. I, I think it's something else. Yeah. During the Salt Lake game, he came up limp, and you can visibly see him kind of suffering to run. I think he's nursing something right now. Listen, I think the knee was an excuse to get himself yeah. out of Brazil, to find himself in Major League Soccer, and here he is. Now it's just about getting healthy scoring goals, and I, I think we could both agree that if he's healthy, he will score goals. But it's honestly, it's very difficult to play from behind, and I think Inter-Miami might be playing mm. from behind quite a bit this season if they don't figure out the transfer moves in the summer to get this team to be dynamic, get some legs underneath them.
0: Good news, Luis Suarez. Just a one-year deal. I think there's an option for 2025, but uh, just the one year through 2024. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the thing that nobody at Major League Soccer, Herc, wants you to talk about, the replacement refs. Now, you weren't here on Wednesday, but Casey was very kind to the replacement refs oh, on Wednesday. Good. So you, you hardly noticed. Hardly noticed the difference. Right. Uh, I think we noticed it in this game, yeah?
1: It was terrible. Um, Call a spade a spade. Uh, It's not their fault that they're not capacitated to be at this level.
0: Well, it is their their fault. They they took the assignment. There's a lot of refs out there that's stuck by the the union here. That's fair. There are a lot of – Yeah. Fair. They wanted the spotlight. They wanted, as Don Garber would tell you, this wonderful opportunity to check out the the depth of the referee talent pool.
1: Very fair. I will concede there. This can never be a foul, let alone a yellow card from Mark Delgado. It can be a yellow card for simulation uh, from Sergio Busquets. And and I I, I will actually ask Major League Soccer to look into – retroactively, one, uh, withdrawing, rescinding a yellow card or the red card from Mark Delgado, and two, adding a third yellow card because Sergio Busquets got three yellow cards or should have gotten three yellow cards on the night. He should have had three yellow cards. The first one for pulling paint still down, that's a yellow. The second one, which he earned, and this one for simulation. This should be a suspension. The eyes of the world are on this game. All these social media accounts are going viral for what you did not call. They think MLS is a joke because of the refereeing. They think this is a Mickey Mouse league because of what you just showed them right there. So you have to take power back into your hands. You can't review a yellow card. I understand why VAR didn't go there. Okay, It's a red card off a yellow card. You can't review that. I understand. But you can go back and make it right. Make amends. This is a situation right now. Major League Soccer, Don Garber, the powers that be have the power to make it right. The world is watching, so we want to see.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you saw the reporting from our good friend over at the Philadelphia Inquirer, Jonathan Tannenwald. It says, uh, MLS is apparently threatening big fines against players or coaches who complain or talk about this lockout with the referees. And I'm sure there's some guys, whether on social media or on the game after the game last night that wanted to have a word here uh, about what's going on. It's an embarrassment for the league. And really, Herc, you gotta ask, like, what's the point here? When is MLS gonna grow up? You know, we hear about these valuations. Our teams are worth 700 million, 800 million, 900 million dollars. We got a TV deal worth 2.5 billion dollars. And we're worried about paying the referees I mean, the ARs, you know, they're weren't in $35,000 a year, reportedly, for like 30 games. And, and MLS wants to be this major league, and we're fighting about money. You went out and got messy. You did the damn thing, and you got you got scab rests, replacement rests. The guy looked like a, a substitute teacher in high school. I mean, it really is a bad look for the league. And on top of all the other stuff, Open Cup, um, they just can't seem to get out of their way right now at yeah. a time when MLS, Herc, I think should be popping. It should be popping off. This should be the best moment in league history And Don Garber wants us to talk about other things other than Lionel Messi. Well, guess what? The other things are refs and the Open Cup. That's the other things to talk about around this league.
1: It's sad because I've been in Los Angeles playing in that stadium, digging in Hill Sports Park, calling games in that stadium, or watching games as a fan for the better part of over two decades. And it's been a while since I've seen or felt the stadium with that type of atmosphere, that type of electricity. 2005, when I was part of the Galaxy and we played against Real Madrid, was the last time I felt that stadium like that. And it's ruined by the image that you're given because you're nickel and diming what should be somebody you should reward uh, in this case. So I, I, I agree with you. It, it's sad, it, it's it's clownish um, that you would try to find and censor your own people. Mm. Can't censor me. That's why their players <laughs> quote tweet what I say. You can't censor me. That's a reality. You talked about the flamethrower we have. Here it is.
0: Yep. All right, so enter Miami and LA Galaxy then finish in a 1-1 draw. Let's turn our attention now to the LA Galaxy side of this. We'll talk about their performance in the game in just a second. But first, let's check out Herc's one-on-one interview with the new general manager of the LA Galaxy, Will Koontz, from last week. Here it is.
2: Well, historic day. Uh, How are you feeling? Uh, Really excited. Really excited. Glad about the work we did this offseason.
1: Let's start at the beginning. Talk to me about the decision for you to leave LAFC and come to the Galaxy. How did that come about? Was it a difficult decision for you?
2: Yeah, it's always a difficult decision to leave a club where you've had a lot of success. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be there for the start of it and help build it. But I've had a history with the Galaxy that goes back 10 years when I started working with the league, when Bruce Arena was here. And, you know, you you never have hesitation about coming to a club like this with the resources, the facilities, the the history behind it.
1: You know, well, Dan Beckerman, AEG, they've been big players in Major League Soccer for quite some time. And we have to go back to pre-Beckham years to think about a Galaxy doesn't have a massive name. It's been that long. Does the L.A. Galaxy need a massive name, need a big player like that?
2: I think we need massive players, right? And and one thing I've said is that I'm not so concerned about star-taking, but star-making. You know, we're in Hollywood, we've got great fans, uh, we've got great history. If we have players who are dynamic, score goals, win games, the rest will take care of itself. Now,
1: that's not saying that the Galaxy won't go and get a big player. Is there a big player in their future, or for the time being, the model has changed?
2: No, I, th- I think what you've seen in the league is that uh, the, the growth of MLS in terms of reputation uh, has been massive. The Galaxy are still obviously a huge club. There's still going to be an opportunity to add players who are maybe at the end of their career uh, who have big legacies. They don't necessarily need to be DPs anymore.
1: What do the Galaxy need to do to come back to that grandesque?
2: i mean that one's easy that's just win games right win trophies is it that easy uh i mean it's not easy to do but it's uh, (laughs) the goal is easy right and i think uh you know winning isn't just you know a result on the field it's a mindset right it's how we go about our business every day it's carrying ourselves with pride you know being hungry being competitive and making sure that every day we're trying to get better
1: well one of those winners here in los angeles over the years has been carlos Vela. carlos Vela at the moment is a free agent (laughs) um (laughs) Would Carlos Vela be welcomed at the LA Galaxy
2: for you? Yeah, Carlos and I have a, a long relationship that goes back. And you know what I want for Carlos more than anything is for him to make the right decision for him and his family. Obviously, his talent uh, and his legacy is unprecedented. But uh, yeah, as far as his Galaxy future, I wouldn't say. Let's talk about
1: uh, seasons, or end of the season. Last year didn't go as planned for the LA Galaxy. Greg Vanny's now been here for a few years, three years. Um, how much time does Greg Vanney have with
2: you to work? Yeah, I mean, you know it's uh this is a high pressure business right and we're always up against it and so i don't necessarily look at last year's as carrying over and i don't necessarily think that uh, you know, success is you know out of the gate means results, right? It's really about are we playing the way we want to play? Are we bringing guys along the way we need to bring them along? Are they developing? Is the group together? And you know, one of the the nice things about MLS is that we don't have a single table system, and right. so ultimately the most important games are at the end of the season. And so you know, the most important thing is to be making progress towards that.
1: How much pressure is on you to produce a winner to bring the Galaxy back on their winning ways?
2: I mean, I think there's a lot. You know, I'm now 20 years in the the sports industry and working for pretty high-pressure front offices, so I'm kind of used to it. Like the three years I was at the league (laughs) office, it felt like something was wrong, but that's also part of being in a big club. You know, I started with the New York Yankees, and it's the same thing. The expectation was that you win the World Series every year, and if you don't, You know, nobody should expect to keep their jobs. And so I I think that pressure comes from being at a big club, from having passionate fans. And I would always take that over the alternative. Well, there were a lot of rumblings
1: about Major League Soccer opening up the purse strings, maybe adding more to the salary cap. That wasn't done. Were you kind of let down by it? You understand it? What's your hope going forward?
2: My sense is that the league is really trying to figure out what the best way forward is, right? And so maybe... You know, some people want to say, oh, it's a fourth DP or it's another million dollars in the salary cap. But but I get the sense, talking to some of the people I used to work with, that they're really actually they're thinking bigger. And, they're, you know, the most important thing is if you're going to do something revolutionary, to, to don't do it half-baked. And so I'd rather the league take some time to figure it out than try and do something that's a half-measure.
1: Well, I imagine the Galaxy are salary compliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, a team that was under scrutiny for maybe not being so was Inter-Miami. H- how is it? that they're salary-compliant. I mean, because you look at, from a neutral standpoint, it's Busquets, it's Luis Suarez, it's Messi, it's Jordi Alba. You know, now it's it's um, Redondo. It's all these great players, Gomez. And you're like, how is this happening? I'm sure there are mumblings around your peers. What's going on there? You know,
2: it, and... Uh trying to stitch me up here on this no, one. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> I want to know as well. Look, everybody wants to know because well, we hear these anonymous sources. Right. And we, you know, Sammy and I on the show, we've we've spoken about it. It sounds like sour grapes, right? Right. Because how do you prove it? You know?
2: You know, listen, I, would I have a hard time believing that, you know, great players who have made a lot of money and had a lot of success in their career want to finish their time playing in Miami with, with Leo Messi right. in, in a new environment? I mean, that's it's not the hardest sell. You know, even here in Southern California, I think uh, the city sells itself. And so, you know, it's, it's a credit to Chris Henderson and the job that group has done and finding creative ways under the salary budget to, to get these guys in. But, you know, there's there's opportunities off the field to earn a lot of money as well. So I don't necessarily think it's uh, something I lose a lot of sleep over. I'm, I'm happy for him. I think it's great for the league. Uh, and, you know, uh, we'll keep on pushing on our end.
1: Two more questions really quick. You, you know, while we're talking about Messi, Don Garber had mentioned his kind of displeasure and, and maybe labeled it as lazy journalism only covering Messi. Um what are your thoughts uh, on on MLS being reliant on Messi? Do you think we're going to even pass that? Or you think it's, hey, there's a reason we're covering Messi?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's tough, right? I think when Messi signed the next day, you know, MLS and Messi were the most Google things right. in a 24-hour period, right? I think I saw something today that Messi is the most popular athlete in, in the U.S., US right? Yeah. So um, that's that's something that happens, right? And that's not MLS's fault. That's not the media's fault. That's just the reality of having a... A megastar like Leo in the league, and and for me, I think what's just the most important is that we don't lose sight of all the other you know great players, all the other great clubs, all the great things that are happening in the league, and and it is a bit of a you know balancing act you're gonna have to do, but I'm not I don't have a problem with it. You
1: know, a long time ago for you around, uh, I used to play here, and I got my start playing in these Open Cup games. You know, that's kind of made a name for myself, and on the way to winning a double, and one of those being the Open Cup trophy. it was important to me. Now I'm seeing that players still hold that tournament with great value, but maybe at a, an administrative role, not so much. How do you view the Open Cup? Is it something that's kind of like a, a stone in the road for you? Or do you think it's it could be of use to you? What would you do with the Open Cup?
2: And really saving the easy questions for the end, <laughs> huh? No, I, listen. I think the Open Cup is massively important. It's got a lot of great history. You know, the reality is. Um, You know, MLS is growing in terms of the number of games that we're playing. Greg talked about it today in our press conference, but schedule congestion is a real thing. I look at the Open Cup, uh, you know, just like any – massive cup tournament in any other country right you you use the early rounds as a great way to introduce your young players whether that's academy guys or guys in the fringe of the roster and compete maybe against some lower division teams which is also a really great way to celebrate you know american soccer as you you might be going to a stadium that doesn't have a second deck or has you know chain link uh, fences with fans behind them and then as you kind of move on in the tournament you know your team comes together and and maybe you start putting more of your uh your first team out there but I appreciate that it's a it's a lot of things to juggle um, but I think the Open Cup is a you know uh, historic important tournament and we will certainly find a way to get a lot out of will, it. Well thank you so much man appreciate, appreciate your time. All right All
0: right. here's a look at the LA Galaxy offseason what an offseason it was a very busy one. For Will Coons, his first uh, full off season there in charge of LA. Herc, your thoughts on the conversation with the new GM of the LA Galaxy and generally what you saw from the Galaxy uh, in their opener over the weekend?
1: Yeah, I like what they're doing. Listen, it's not, I spoke to, to Will about this, Will Coons, the general manager of the LA Galaxy, and it's not easy kind of having to administrate somebody else's mess. He didn't say that. I will say that Mm -hmm. for him. Uh, But it's part of the reason why he's in that job, why he has a job. So it's going to take some time to offload some of the bad contracts or bad decisions that the regime before him made. But you could already see his imprint just in this transfer window alone. Mm -hmm. The players going out and the amount of players that are going out and the ages of those players and the players coming in and the type of player that was brought in and the ages of those players. And I think it was on display this past weekend. You look at a player like uh, Joseph Payne still and how dynamic he is, how explosive he was, how good he is in the 1v1 dribble, uh, how vertical. He's 26 years old. You look at a guy Mm -hmm. who came on um, in the second half, Gabriel Peck, the Brazilian looked ridiculous in a very brief amount of time. He's another guy in his early twenties. He was part of the U twenty three Brazilian Olympic uh, program, or their intent of a, of a Olympic team. So uh, it's what they're going for. There is a model they're trying to do it, and it's going to take time. And I know fans don't want to hear that. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people who don't believe that. Everything has to take time. But the three reality year plan, is, Herc.
0: Three-year plan.
1: Yeah, and I we will have. get to that three-year plan because that was one of a, <sighs> uh-huh. a an interview I had with Greg Vanny where I mentioned mm-hmm. the three-year plan. And the the response was very telling. And I'll let fans judge for themselves. But going back to Will Koontz, there was a mess before him. So it'll be very mm-hmm. interesting to see how much he can do and how far he can go trying to clean up that mess.
0: Yeah. Like I said before, I think if you're a Galaxy fan coming off this game, you're probably frustrated. You're definitely frustrated. But you ought to be optimistic. Uh, I thought Pencil was great. Maybe some better decision-making in the final third. And this game ends, you know, 3-1, 4-1. The other player, I know he missed the penalty, man. But Ricky Pooch, I mean, he was absolutely running this game for a minute. We've seen that from him in the past. It kind of comes in ebbs and flows. But when he's on, uh, he can definitely be one of the best in the league. So I think the Galaxy are looking good, Herc. But I have a question. Who's going to get the goals for this team? Is Jovalich enough? I mean, uh, you asked asked Will Kuntz there, do they need a big name? Do they just need a better striker? Because if the Galaxy are going to go where they're going to go, man, I know Jovalich has been good in the past, off the bench, but this is a different role now. He's got to be the guy, and uh, at least in the opener, didn't look like it.
1: Yeah, so Jovalich at his best is a very good forward, and he's proven it many times. But he's very inconsistent. And mm-hmm. when you're at this level and you're a big market team like Los Angeles, your nine has to be a guy that is consistently good, consistently a threat. And that's been the issue with Joe uh, And I agree with you. I think if there's one thing besides health missing on this team, it would be probably a, a killer nine, a, a nine of Of massive, massive name and worth. And uh, listen, they they still have something up their sleeve. They still are Los Angeles. And I know many have referred to the Galaxy as the 90s actor trying to make uh, a a return (laughs) into Hollywood. But this 90s actor has five Academy Awards and the most powerful agent in the industry, Los Angeles. You heard Will Kuntz. It attracts a lot of people.
0: ESPN FC available every day here on ESPN Plus. Herk, 6 p.m. Eastern time on weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time on weekends. I'm hosting Friday and Saturday. Hope to see you then.
3: Again, try Jet's signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8 SAVE. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
4: Uh, I wake up late from this bed again.
5: Does the sun only rise just to sit again? That darkness always creeps in. Don't make me question. Go across.
2: De, naar buiten, pracht, de bal foi bem o ganhou invadiu a área, pintou o gol do Balogun
0: Americans with an absolutely wild and very productive weekend abroad, Herc. Just look at this, eight different goal scorers in Europe, including our boy Paxton Aaronson, four different number nines on the score sheet, five different players notching an assist, including Weston McKinney who had two as Juventus beat Frosinone in Serie A play on Sunday. Lots and I mean, lots of choices, Herc. Which American had the best weekend abroad in your opinion? Let me
1: just say I could have gone with five or six different mm-hmm. elements here, different players here, and I can't recall in my time being or an active player or a part of the media a weekend where so many Americans mm. stood out, uh, like positive performances, got on the score sheet, it, whether it was a goal or an assist. It, it truly was a historic weekend uh, for American abroads. But I'm going to go with Weston McKinney. And now bear with me. Mm-hmm. I know Weston McKinney got injured. I know Weston McKinney, per reports, has a dislocated shoulder, but we've seen this from Weston McKinney before, the dislocated shoulder. He was back in two weeks. Look at this touch. Look at this ridiculous touch right here to set up Lachovic right here. That's an insane touch, insane pass in midair, in mid-flight to supply that. He's on another level right now. He had two assists. Look at this. Look at that. Ciao, Bella. That's ridiculous. He's on another level with confidence. He, he's been starting consistently for Allegri. The man mm-hmm. out of like 25 games has played over 80 minutes in like 21 mm-hmm. of them. He had two assists today. He's got five for the year in Serie A. He's on another level and at the right time. And now I know he's injured, but I will repeat. He's had this injury before, and Allegri has even mentioned that it's, it's kind of a recurring thing for him. And he came back in two weeks from it. So I'm not going to put too much stock. In that, I think it'd be fine for the Nations League, but he's on another level, operating mm. on a different level. And when Tyler Adams right now, when Tyler Adams right now, hasn't been healthy, uh, when when Eunice Musa right now hasn't been playing much, and we were bringing up the name of Johnny Cardoso because he's the lone six. If you Even want to go with Johnny Cardozo. Mm -hmm. It's fundamental. It's absolutely necessary that you have a Weston McKinney operating next to him. A player that's a two-way player, a player that transmits confidence, a player that's in a great moment. That was Weston McKinney, and he capped it off with a two-assist performance.
0: Yeah. There was a time, Herc, whenever we would discuss the most important player on the U.S. men's national team. We'd bounce back and forth between Pulisic and Adams. Obviously, Adams with the injuries, you kind of take him out of the equation. Now I think you bounce back and forth between Polisic and McKinney, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fair one, um, especially because Weston's been so positive in the U.S. Men's National Team jersey and what he can do affecting the game on both sides of the ball, whether it's defensively breaking up plays or offensively scoring goals, getting on the end of things and, and, and set pieces, which he seems to be an absolute threat. And, and now you see with Allegri, he's played as an outside back, he's played as an interior in a line of five, in a midfield of three you know, uh, players in the center, and he's produced results. He's just a guy that you can count on.
0: All right, so you've gone Weston McKinney for your American who had the best weekend abroad. I'm going to the defense. Chris Richards. What a game for Crystal Palace. So anytime a defender, her, gets a goal, have got to give him some love. First goal in the Premier League. First goal since he was at Hoffenheim, which was the 2021-2022 season. Massive goal, by the way, the first in a 3-0 win for Crystal Palace over Burnley that gets him out of the relegation zone. Also massive because it's the first goal for Crystal Palace under the new manager, so that's going to earn them some points. And I just think, Herc, as you look around at that center back position, it's a very important one uh, and one where there is a lot of doubt as we move towards the future, or if not doubt, at least questions. It's hard to think of anybody uh, in that pool that right now has a better case to start than Chris Richards, who's doing it at least over the last month on a week-in, week-out basis for Crystal Palace in the Premier League.
1: I don't disagree, and we have to account for Tim Ream. Uh, There's been Mm. a decline of Tim Ream, and and maybe he's still nursing that calf injury. But since he got injured, he's come back, and he's not really been the same Tim Ream. Mm -hmm. And he was on the bench last game. So right now, it's of importance that a new generation is ushered in. Uh, Tim Ream's, what, 36 years old, I believe? Chris Richards is the future. He's not only the future, he's the present. He's the best center back ever. Of the moment, He's the best center back that you can play today. So it's good to see him in his natural position, because we know with Crystal Palace, he was operating oftentimes as a six, as a defensive midfielder. So it's good to see him back in his position as center back and getting his first Premier League goal.
0: Yeah, Herc, to your point, there was a lot of guys to choose from. It was tough for me to pass on Johnny Cardoso, one, because of the, the quality of his goal yeah. and just how well he's been playing. Uh, the other one that was tough for me to pass on, and I know he missed the penalty, uh, is Faleran Balogun. Because we've talked a lot, Herc, on the show about his drought. This was his first league goal since November 24th. That's massive for a guy who really needs one as that race heats up. Yeah, it, it's... it's And it was a great goal, too, by the way. It was a bully goal. Well, he rolled down that left side. That's something he can do in CONCACAF.
1: Yeah, and he'll probably get those chances in CONCACAF because it was a very concacaf goal in the terms of, like, mm-hmm. the defending left a lot to be desired. But it's an acute angle, and he makes the most of it. Does very well to beat the goalkeeper. But it's like... You get some confidence with that goal, and then he goes on and misses a penalty kick. So you got to wonder, mm-hmm. like, how much confidence was taken back. But on the scoreboard is absolutely necessary for him. And he's still of use. and he's got interesting qualities that you don't see every day on this U.S. men's national team.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, Monaco, in the end, despite the penalty miss, pulling out a 3-2 victory with Balgan in the starting lineup. FA Cup here on ESPN Plus this week. We've reached the fifth round. Nottingham 4 has taken on Manchester United. And we'll get uh, Matt Turner in that game Wednesday on ESPN Plus. Coverage starting 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. go down to the Liga MX. Some big games this weekend. We're going to focus on Chivas against Pumas and a potential debut for Chicharito, who was on the bench to start this game. Scoreless first half. My cousin was sweating because he had the over in this one. Cade Cow coming to life in the second half. Pulled down in the box. Or should it have been a penalty? Tu primo,
1: uh, if he goes down sooner, I think it's a legit call, but he tried to muscle through. Play on.
0: Play on here as Alan Moso makes something out of nothing. The little give and go chops it back for Cal who finishes 1-0 Chivas. This is
1: not an easy finish. Like credit to Mosso for the way he goes in and around right there, splits the defender. But look, he plays it behind Kate Cal. Kate Cal off the half bounds, twerks that body in a way that gets him the right level of play and then a goal. And then Pollo Briseño off the set piece right there. You may want to mark one of the best guys in the air in Liga MX. you do not, that's
0: 2-0. Herk's boy, boy over his you there. With the uh, second goal 15 minutes after the first. Pumas respond a few minutes later as they draw a penalty. Herc, you okay with it?
1: Uh I'm okay <laughs> with this being reviewed the way it was. Watch this. Off of his thigh, then onto the hand. It's Oy. a tricky one, man. It's so tricky. Nobody knows nowadays. I can I'm okay with it not being called, but it was called, and then look at that. Ugh.
0: Sota Salvio there with a golazo from the spot. Cool as you like. 2-1. Game on. But Chivas getting a third in the 80th minute. Victor Guzmán.
1: Yeah, now you mentioned bully. <clears throat> this is how you bully a player. Look at this. All his weight can't muscle him in and oh, in between two players. César Huerta. Come on bye. And then guess it's Chicharito time.
0: That's right. The scene was set. Chicharito subbed on. Almost 14 years after leaving Chivas for Manchester United. He's back in kind of a rude welcome here, Herc, on one of his first touches. I
1: love it. I love it because he gets up from this and he realizes he's okay. And after injury like that, he got hit right there in the knee to bounce up back up and say you're okay is a great thing.
0: Chivas, then, 3-1 winners on the day. Now that we've seen Chicharito, Herc, what do you think he can do for this Chivas' team, who right now sit eighth in the Liga MX table. Uh,
1: let me just say this. Most people probably don't know this, but uh, Chicharito Hernandez and I, we won the goal-scoring title in Liga MX mm-hmm. together. Okay? We, we tied. Um, here's the difference. Uh, I get He's sold still to, playing? Well, yeah, because he was younger. I get sold to Pachuca. He gets sold to Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So now 14 years later, after the prodigal son leaves to Manchester United, unprecedented move for a player of Chivas like that. He comes back, and what I saw, what I saw in that stadium, for him to just get up, the amount of people who were standing up, already cheering, already waiting, in anticipation for Chijarito Hernandez to step onto the field for three minutes, Seb, shows you how massive, massive of a name and star appeal that this player has. Now, to your question, okay, of his impact, I think we've seen the impact initially off the field. We've seen the impact initially on the field, okay? The atmosphere, what he provides to the players. On the field, that's the only thing that's going to matter from now on. Three minutes showed us very little of what he can or cannot do. Mm -hmm. But I think we both agreed that if he is physically fit, And has opportunities in front of goal. The way this Chivas team creates opportunities with how dynamic they are out wide. With how suffocating they can be in that midfield. If they give him opportunities, Chicharito's going to eat. Mm. I think he can have an immediate impact, if healthy. If healthy. And that's going to be the elephant in the room. His health. He's got a lot of games coming up. How much of Chicharito will we see? Will there be load management? And when we see him... Against any type of opposition, I don't care who it is, but when it's America, what he can do, mm-hmm. because he was brought here to be that man, that's going to tell us something, but I think he's going to eat, I think he's going to feast, I think he's healthy.
0: He definitely looked healthier than Luis Suarez, I'll say that much, <laughs> if, we're, if we're monitoring and if we're comparing those two, I think Chicharito definitely looks uh, more fit. Her, how many, you've had some ACL surgeries, right?
1: I had three knee surgeries, one ACL, yes.
0: All right, I don't know, maybe it's different now, but this is like a very short timetable. He had his surgery eight months ago. So is it realistic for a guy, and I know things have changed, but is it realistic for a guy at nine months, at ten months, to be starting and making plays in Liga MX, or is this really a super sub role? Because they need him right now. There's no doubt they have the hole right there. They need him. Uh, Marin is a journeyman guy who's not not really going to oh, get you young. goals. Marin's very young. He's 25. Yeah, he's, he's 25. Young. He's got one goal. He's got one goal. That's not going to get it done. Not if all these uh, hype train that everything is going on around Chivas is going to be met. Right, right. So- Jota,
1: Jota Macias was also on the – I understand what you're trying to say, and you're absolutely right. That He was brought there to be the goal scorer, and he's the exclamation point to Gago's team, and I agree mm-hmm. with you. Uh, is it too soon? No. Listen, players come back as soon as five months. Some of those players are way younger than 35 years of age and ACL injury. And that's the situation with Javier Hernandez. And Javier Hernandez, the hardest thing he will go through isn't even physical. It will be mental. And I mean this in the best possible way. Your your doctor can tell you you're ready. Everything in the medical board can say, green light, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. But up here, it takes time. Physically, it can be five months, six months, up here, it can be up until a year, and, and that's a reality. I felt physically fine at five, six months, but I didn't feel mentally fine to not think about that tackle, to not mm-hmm. think about that lunge, to not think about the way there was a challenge or, or the way I would run or the way that I would fall off of trying to head the ball or challenge for something. It, it's going to take some time. But I repeat, if Javier Hernandez is healthy and everything leads me to believe that he is healthy – He's going to get looks on this team. And if he gets looks, he's going to score goals.
0: Stretch coming up for Chivas. They got Cruz Azul next, then Club America three times in 10 days, including the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And then March 30th, to close out the month, they got Rayados. I mean, they need him now, Herc. They absolutely 100% need him now. Producer Beto wants me to ask you if you think he'll start any of the three games against America.
1: Oh, um, I don't think he starts No. No, I it, no. I, I, I think it's no,
0: I no. don't No. There you go. There you go. All right. So speaking of the uh, table, where us right now are eighth, just about where they belong. Uh, <laughs> let's take a look at the uh, top half of the table uh, and remind you just how the uh, playoffs work. Uh, this is about basically through the first half of the season, We're right about the uh, midway point. Uh, top six go straight through to the quarterfinals, seven, eight, nine, and 10. They're going to play in the play-in round for the last two spots in the last eight. Herc, we've gotten a look at pretty much everybody. Pretty much everybody against decent competition. Who do you think has looked the best so far in the Liga MX campaign?
1: Yeah, bear with me when I say this, and I think I'm in the majority with this one. I'm going to go with Cruz Azul. Now, Cruz Azul's is a team that's just coming off a loss right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to who? To, to who? To Club America. The team has that's probably right. performed the worst this that's season.
0: Right. That's um,
1: right. Listen to what they did against first first up their, their very first loss of the season was against Pachuca who's a very good team uh, game number one of the Martin Anselmi era um, didn't go as planned still trying to figure out the system etc cetera, etc cetera. they've been on a tear okay uh, they've been rolling through teams they played club America that first half it could have been 4-0 America uh, if those goals would have been legit they weren't uh-huh. so of those goals didn't count. It stayed 1-0. And in the second half, they completely dominated America in a way ah. that I've not seen teams dominate America. It was, it was America had 29% possession, 71% possession for Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul had upwards of like 600 and something passes to America's 200 and something. They outshot double of what America did. And I, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I know that means mm-hmm. squat at the end of the day because they lost the game. And I'm mm-hmm. with you there. Thank you. I am with you. But when you look at the two teams and who is playing closer to their ceiling, who is playing closer to the idea of their coach, who is playing closer to the level that they could be optimal at or presumed to be optimal mm-hmm. it's Cruz Azul across the board against all these other teams. I almost went Pachuca, but Pachuca mm-hmm. defends horribly. When I look at the balance, when I look at the style, how dynamic they could be, how fast they are and how young they've gotten. When you look at the players that Martín Anselmi has counted on, I mean, Huesca's down the right, Alexis Gutiérrez down the center. I thought Alexis was going to kill it at Cruz Azul. Just Alexis Mm -hmm. Vega, not Alexis Gutiérrez. You know, uh, these players coming on, making a difference. Uriel Antuna continues to be a player you can count on. It's a team that plays very, very well. I think they're playing the best brand of football in Liga MX. I
0: mean, the, the question is looked the best, which is a subjective question. Whatever your taste is, um, What's that's your taste fine. Then? My taste is a team that can score. That's dangerous. Who's going to score the goals here for this Cruz Azul team? They're they're averaging Angel barely Cipula over Sipula a goal a game. was the second leading goal scorer last year. Uriel Antuna right now today is their top scorer. He's got three. So is that but who's going to score your goals?
1: Started. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Time out. Uh,
0: Uriel Antuna is going to be enough for Cruz Azul this year. T-
1: time out. Time out. Time out. Mm-hmm. Angel Sepulveda was the second leading goal scorer in Liga MX. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're asking me who's going to score the goals. Uriel Antuna, yeah, They're saying, not
0: scoring goals, Herc. They've scored 13 goals in nine games. Can I ask
1: you a question? Who's in first place in the Liga What do you Liga like Likis? about
0: soccer? You like defense? I who's thought you played forwards.
1: Who's, who's first place in Liga Mekis?
0: Cruz Azul, but it's eight oh. games into a 17 game season. <laughs> <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? You're right. It's Why don't we seven, just look at the table then and 17 17 wrap the game segment?
1: Season. You're right. You're right. It's a 17 You just answered your own question. It's a mm. 17 game season. Listen, man, I think they're playing the best, unless you can come up with another team who's playing better.
0: Absolutely, I, I got another team that's playing better. Who? Rayados, who are third in the table, who are third in the table, and it pains me to say this, because, you know, I love to pick Club America here, but I agree with you. They've looked terrible, and by the way, for all uh, terrible that they've looked, they beat Cruz Azul on the, on the weekend. Uh, I'm gonna go with Rayados here. They have not lost yet in Liga MX play, one of only two teams, the other being Necaxa, who literally ties all of their games. Um, they're scoring at will. They've got a plus-10 goal differential. They're deep, man. I mean, they're dangerously deep. They're bringing Cortizo off the bench. They're bringing Brandon Vasquez off the bench. I know there's not A-list guys, but those are U.S. and Mexico internationals coming off the bench uh, in Liga Amequi's play over the weekend. They cruised in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, destroyed Comunicaciones, 7-1 on aggregate, but 4-1 down in Guatemala in the first leg. Ooh. What more do you want from Rayados? By the way, the team, you, the other team you were going to pick, Pachuca, Rayados already beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really quickly. Uh, who is Rayados oh, and, and Cruz Azul, two losses. Two losses.
1: Yeah, we can, add, you, we can add. They're in first place. Uh, really quickly, um, who have they beaten? They've beaten Puebla, Santos, Querétaro. They tied 1-1. San Luis, America, they zoos fest at 1-1. Pachuca. Uh, Toluca 0-0 zero, zero, and Juarez. Who have Juarez. they beaten? Who have they beaten? Pachuca, you just said. Listen, you just said. Listen, listen, Juarez. They still have the second half of the schedule. You keep talking about seventeen games. No, still... I
0: I, this is who has looked the best. Hold on, I'm not hold looking on. at the back half hold of the on. schedule. Let me
1: tell you about the back half of the schedule. They've not played anybody's room. Don Nadie is who they've played. Okay, they're mm. going to play Chivas, mm. Cruz Azul, Tigres. And as soon as Cruz Azul played somebody, out. they lost. Bro, we're going to see. We're going to see, Seb. You're just this bitter because
0: Tigres is terrible right now, and you can't stand that Rayados Tigres. is playing better.
1: Nobody's talking about Tigres, but you are picking a perennial loser in Rayados. Rayados by is team, by far that,
0: the biggest threat to América's repeat this season. It's not even close. Are
1: you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know that's a lie. You no, know
0: that's a lie. It's no. a
1: two-horse race. You
0: know that's ah, a lie. Please, T- Tigres, come on! They dropped points at four. In How the last many five. times have we
1: been in this? Have we been here before when you say Tigres? Uh, does not look good in the Ah, regular season as soon as they get there. Come on. Right.
0: Okay. He wants to deny the decline. There it is. Hercules Gomez and his pro Tigres way here speaking out against Rayados of of Monterrey. Speaking of Rayados, El Vasco Aguirre, formerly their manager, now in charge of Mallorca, He's got the second leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal coming up Tuesday against Real Sociedad. First leg finished 0-0. Coverage starts 325 p.m. Eastern Time right here on ESPN+.
6: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
5: In the soccer world, uttering the words Mexico versus USA evokes countless memories of one of the fiercest rivalries around. That is, of course, on the men's side. On the women's side, results have been lopsided, to say the least. The U.S. has won 40 of their 42 encounters. But things could change sooner than you think. The U.S. is coming off its worst World Cup showing in 32 years. And while Mexico missed the tournament altogether, 2023 saw them go undefeated. El Tri has also jumped on the U.S. by scouting some of the best Mexican-American talent on either side of the border. Five players on the Mexican roster were born in the United States. Meanwhile, after saying goodbye to three legends due to their respective retirements, the Stars and Stripes will rely on the new generation to continue their dominance against Mexico.
0: U.S. Women's National Team against Mexico coming up in just under an hour from out on the West Coast. Joining us now to preview the match and discuss the U.S. women in general Jeff Kasuf, you can read his work over at ESPN.com, Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, great to have you with us. We just got the lineups down for the U.S. in this game against Mexico. Worth noting, no Alex Morgan in the starting 11 for the United States. Uh, Let's start with that game first here, Jeff. What are the chances for Mexico to pull an upset?
4: Yeah, I mean, we just saw the stats, right? I think that an upset is going to be a tough order for Mexico. I do think that they looked quite good. Uh, and really on the front foot, obviously against Dominican Republic, you can look at the the quality of opponent there in their previous game, but showed some real spunk and inspiration in terms of how they were playing and and some urgency uh, that I think you want to see in a game like that, but yeah, I mean, look, this is a U.S. team that obviously has a ton of quality. I think player for player is is the better team, the series itself, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean as much here given the turnover and the transition that the U.S. is in, but there's still a lot of experience on this roster, a lot of quality, and I'd be very surprised to see an upset it's not that mexico has not been in good form but uh it's it's a tall order here uh, against the u.s in, in conca cap competition too
1: they are undefeated in like the last 17 or 18 so it, we w- we will see on that one it's going to be a a good matchup for the two very young teams i got to ask you she wasn't she's not in the start project excuse me in the starting lineup but alex morgan she comes in for an injured mia official uh she has two goals so far jeff how have you seen alex morgan and her performances what have you made of him
4: yeah, well, look, I mean, I think the goals themselves important, right? 363 days between goals for in a US jersey for her. Uh, I think you could kind of sense the relief a little bit uh, on that PK, the first one in that first game. And, and then, you know, in the second game, that header that she scored, I think that's a pretty uh, quintessential Morgan goal. Uh, we've seen it like that. It reminds me a little bit even of the, the looping header in the 2012 Olympics to a degree, obviously a very different setting and an opponent. But, um, you know, I, I think just getting back on the score sheet, period, is, is a big deal for her um, and, and as silly as that sounds for such an experienced player you know going almost a year without a goal that weighs on you and I think that we saw some of that at times in previous matches where you know she's, she's hitting the woodwork or something's just a little bit off so I think that's a big step for her um, and then look I mean you know it, it's Quality of opponent, right, easing into this tournament. These opponents are going to get better. We're going to see a bigger test. As you said, not in the starting lineup right now. We've seen a lot of rotation from the U.S. so far. I think we'll continue to see some of that, at least before the knockout stage here. Um, So, you know, I, I think it's a positive start for her. I mean, look, she wasn't on this roster initially, right? She comes in for an injured me official. So to be here in this tournament, obviously a step in a positive direction to then get on the score sheet when it's been so long, that's a positive step for her as well.
0: Jeff, let me ask you this: I feel like the me official injury is a little bit of a sliding doors moment here for the u s women 's national team because if she stays healthy, and we know she 's already playing for Emma Hayes over at Chelsea in that nine position, and she has a good tournament here. You say, okay you know, she 's probably going to start in the Olympics. instead, she gets hurt. Alex Morgan comes back in and goes from outside the roster to now again having a chance to lay claim to that starting spot. And I wonder if now, all of a sudden, Alex Morgan, whose national team career may have been maybe, you know, starting to wrap up, might be buying herself a little bit more time here. Maybe not just another Olympics, but a World Cup in three years. Um, what do you think about that?
4: I mean, World Cup's far out, right? I mean, that, that is that's tough to predict. I think it's tough to predict the Olympics right now. I mean, you talk about sliding door moments. That's been this U.S. team for two years now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the me official injury, Is coming at a time when Katarina Macario after two years, uh, I mean a very long recovery from an ACL is finally almost back is is so we're led to believe and and hopefully is the case. So, you know there you lose a nine in in Fischl. Uh, Macario obviously very versatile but could certainly be uh, withdrawn forward a number nine in a a very different way. So you know, is she going to be healthy again? Mal Swanson was back in training camp as a training player. Very different player obviously, but when we look at this forward pool Uh, You know, another player, I think, you look at Mal Swanson, the form that she was in before the injury last year. uh, I mean, probably changes to some degree the way that that World Cup goes for the U.S. if she's there and healthy. Probably doesn't mean the U.S. wins the way they played, right? But certainly a game changer. And if she can come back in the same form, has to be a lock. But it's so hard to even say that, right? Because there have been so many injuries. The official injury you add to it now, is Macario going to be healthy? Is Swanson going to be healthy? Are they going to have enough games under their belts. So I think you still look at this forward pool with a lot of uncertainty because of those injuries, because of some of these comebacks. But, yeah, I think the two things you look at in in regards to Morgan, a known entity, right, you know what she's going to do. You know she's very good. You know she's a veteran presence. Um, and, and I think there is, you know, certain value to that even beyond – on field Uh, but then you have the versatility piece this is a a smaller roster Um, it's it's one where you look at the other forwards and almost all of them can play in multiple positions and even some of the emerging talents like a Jaden shaw who we see she prefers playing in the 10. she can still thrive in a wing position She, she can play really in anywhere in that front four so i think you look at that versatility and that's going to be tough for Morgan in that she's really an out-and-out out nine, right? I mean, she's a much better player than I think she usually gets credit for in terms of known for being the younger Alex Morgan who's turn and burn, get behind defenses. She's much more uh, multidimensional than that. But she's not a player who's going to go play on the wing. She's not a player who's going to maybe drop into almost a 10-roll. So, you know, I think that's going to be the tough piece as they evaluate this roster is – do they want a pure nine? And obviously they still have options there with Sophia Smith. That's her best position. Uh, maybe a couple of others who are best centrally as well. Or do they value versatility so much that all of those forward options need to be able to play in multiple positions? And I think as good as Morgan is, and, and you know, arguably, certainly the best number nine historically in this pool, um, you know, that's going to be a tough piece for her in terms of how much Emma Hayes eventually uh, values that versatility.
1: What I love about this team is that they're young and the young players are producing, Jeff. So let me ask you a question. You mentioned Jaden Shaw. Let's presume that everybody's healthy here. Where would she fit into the future of this U.S. attack?
4: Well, I think it's a it's a where, not if, right? We talk about when, not if a lot. Uh, I mean, Jaden Shaw, you look at, she comes in as a 17-year-old, she turns pro, scores in the first three games she plays in the NWSL, immediately shows us she's ready for that level. Last year, I think she played at MVP quality levels at times. Wasn't always perfectly consistent, but she was 18 years old, right? Uh, and then you look at what she's doing already in these early days for the U.S. and her first caps. She's proving again that she can do it at this level so every challenge pro level international level she's met that volley the other night in stride was incredible I mean it's just a it's just a glimpse into what she can do and you know I think you have to look at her as you, you don't want to jump too much in the hyperbola right but I, I think you look at these performances confirming what we knew already from league play I think she has to be a serious contender for this Olympic roster and in terms of the future beyond the Olympics I mean this Jaden Shaw might be the most talented young player in this pool. There's plenty of you know, arguments that we saw Olivia Moultrie in the opening game. She's right up there as well, in, in a different role, obviously. But, you know, Jaden Shaw is spectacular. She doesn't look out of place. She doesn't look like a young player among veterans. She is the real deal. And I think it's mm. just a matter of where does she play in the long term? Is she the 10 for this team in the long term? Is she a, a different kind of nine? Is she utilized on the wing? I, I think that'll be the question answer for Emma Hayes and and even beyond Emma Hayes, because I think this is a player that'll be around for a long time
0: u.s women's national team about to take on mexico in the Concacaf w gold cup you can watch it here on espn deportes let's pull out to the tournament as a whole jeff because usually in this tournament it would be the u.s and canada uh and yet this year of course expanded field it brought in some teams from south america the game between colombia and brazil the other day was uh, i thought really great who do you see in the field as kind of the biggest threat to the u.s women's national team at the gold cup
4: yeah, I hear you. I mean, it adds some spice, right. To have mm-hmm. uh, a couple of guest teams, a few guest teams in, and, and certainly Brazil and Colombia, I think among them, uh, being really high quality, but I do think you look at this, it's a CONCACAF tournament. And if you're looking at who the U S might come up against, uh, put aside the, the quality of Brazil, who I think player for player is is probably the best team of individuals in this field, uh, at least that's not the U.S., but you, you look at a U.S.-Canada game in a CONCACAF competition, mm. and I think that's the game oh where God. Um, as much as we've seen it so much right I mean it's like every time right I mean I I think that is the game that would be really interesting and tough for the U.S. because Canada is going to be up for that I mean Canada is up for every U.S. game it doesn't matter if it's a CONCACAF competition a friendly obviously at the Olympics as we've seen multiple times Um, so I, I think you look at that it's a U.S. team in transition some young players who maybe haven't been in this kind of setting and a Canada team that would look at that matchup at whatever stage it might come and with the re of the quarterfinals, it could come as early as the quarters. Um, I think they'd look at that and they'd be really hungry to, to prove a point because, um, you know, again, historically the U.S. has dominated this matchup. They did it again in CONCACAF qualifying a couple of years ago in that final against Canada. And I think Brazil, yes, has the talent. Colombia has the talent as well to surprise the U.S. And, and certainly pick up a result. But I think Canada is the team that would be most motivated in you know, a quote-unquote home tournament against a team that they always view as a huge rival. All
0: right, there he is, Jeff Kasuf. Great piece uh, right now on Jaden Shaw over at Equalizer Soccer. You should check it out. You can also, uh, as we mentioned, find his work over at ESPN.com. Jeff, always great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Thanks for the time.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: CONCACAF W-Gold Cup. Coverage starts tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Deportes. U.S. women's national team taking on Mexico in the group phase finale. Don't miss it.
3: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
0: One more run it back, Herc, before we get out of here. Leon Bailey, he does it again, and he does it twice. A goal and an assist is Aston Villa. Beat Nottingham Forest <laughs> 4-2, her I, said,
1: I keep saying the same thing when I talk about Leon Bailey. This is the best version of Leon Bailey that we've seen, and he's doing it in the Premier League for a Champions League team at Aston Villa. The assist was just nasty. Look at that. And then the Meg on a platter. Ollie Watkins have that one right there. And then how about this? Don't give that man a chance. Do not give that man a chance. Look at that. A little, little right there tap in the easiest of goals. Double-digit goals, double-digit assists for Leon Bailey, the best player in CONCACAF at the moment.
0: Eight goals and seven assists in 24 Premier League matches as his Aston Villa sit fourth. Gio Reyna with 10 minutes off the bench in that game. Uh, Matt Turner on the bench for Nottingham Forest but did not play. Before we got out of here, uh, Herc, prayers up for Albert Ellis, of course, uh, Honduran international, ex-Houston Dynamo involved in a scary head injury over in France. He's in a medically induced coma. The latest, as we heard, is probably another 24, 48 hours till we'll get more news. But that's one of the best players in this region. Yeah. And certainly hope, Herc, that we get some good news uh, on that front before Thursday's show. On Thursday's show, we'll have the latest um, on the Open Cup. I'm hearing it might be some, might be some movement on that front midweek. Uh, Alfonso Davies, Herc, I don't know if you heard about that. Looks like the deal to Real Madrid, uh, all but done. We'll be talking W Gold Cup, looking ahead to, to the knockout round games. And, Herc, I hope you got your fashion sense ready because it's NWSL kit day here on Football Ooh, Americas. I got it. On, on Thursday. So, check your mail. All right, there I he is, Hercules it. Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thanks for watching Football Americas. We'll see you right back here on Thursday.